going live what's up guys how's it going i don't know if we're live yet hey how's it going guys give us a five five in the chat please if you can hear us let me get this pulled back up <clears throat> how's it going guys um so yeah we're really excited about today we uh this is something the whole secret space program month was uh really came together it was awesome getting to really dive deep with each one of these uh, whistleblowers, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. Uh, each one has their own unique testimony, but it all just dovetails and corroborates perfectly. And it's uh, it's been really fascinating. We've got awesome feedback from the audience. Everybody's really enjoyed it. So we're excited to have you three back on and, and actually take some questions from the audience because uh, I mean, in the comments under every video, they're asking us these questions like we know. I'm like, well, I don't know. You're going to have to ask them yourself. So uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, welcome back. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank back. you for having us. Mm -hmm. Glad to and, be here. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is um, not all of you guys, you know each other, but you're still getting to know each other. It's not like um, you've known each other forever and you guys are all coming up in this together. Each one of you guys has your own unique individual story. And it's cool to see you guys getting to uh, finally really meet each other and, and be on the same round table together. And uh, it's going to be cool to, to see how all this corroborates in real time. So, okay, here, we'll just go ahead and jump right in. Actually, before we do that, um, Tony, do you want to talk about this conference and, and um, when you, you don't have to talk about it, but uh, Starseed, Tony is going to be there. That's why I said that. Starseed Adventure, uh, Starseed Adventures Conference in Cocoa Beach, Florida, March 12th through the 14th. It's going to be a very exclusive, intimate event. Uh, there's less than 30 tickets left. Tony's going to be there. A lot of amazing speakers. Uh, we're going to be hanging out on the beach it's gonna. It's a really cool. It's gonna be. A re, it's a really cool event. We're super excited for it. So if you guys are feel drawn to it or compelled at all to buy a ticket, come hang out with us. Come meet Tony. Come meet Aaron and I. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I just wanted to get that out of the way before we get started. And um, okay, so what was that one question I saw? And guys, in the chat. So here's what we're gonna do. Go ahead and leave your questions in the chat. And leave and make sure you uh, make sure you say who it's for, if it's for Rebecca, for Tony or Johan. So we'll just go ahead. There's one here that I, it's not addressed to anybody, but this says, question, what is Cerberus in the SSP? Can I take that one? Yeah, go ahead. So Cerberus, obviously, you know, the mythological background for Cerberus, right? The three-headed dog that guarded Hades, but... The actual SSP version of Cerberus was actually a planetary protection system that had three layers. And they pretty much junked it when the Draco decided to come in and use a gravitometric weapon and destroy the system. Which is why we then switched to gravitometric weapons because we went, that's a freaking awesome idea. So thank you, Draco, for letting us design those. And um, <laughs> we pretty much junked Cerberus. So yes. So, I mean... Cerberus. Somebody's saying Cerberus is in Mass Effect 2, which is a video game. Well, I mean, Cerberus is like, isn't that also like the three-headed dog? Yeah, that's why it's talked about, the mythological animal that was the um, the guardian for Hades, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay, here's another question. Um, it's not addressed to anyone in particular, but how many people have you each met from your SS from the SSP in your real lives? Like, have you encountered anyone here in, in your real life that you know from the programs? Um, or I'm or gonna say, say four, four or five. Oh, um, there is a real so. Right, so I. I it's hard to go into this and explain this without outing somebody that doesn't need to be outed or talking yeah. about somebody that really confided in me to keep their secret. Makes sense. Yeah. But there is a very, very real circle uh, effect of people that go in the programs and know each other well up there, or at least in the other timeline that tend to find each other down here. There's a, there's like a, and they don't know what it is. Like there's no scientific term, but it, it, it is actually a very real phenomenon where people that are good friends in, in a 20 year tour will find each other down here randomly or however it works out. People that actually fall in love. It's a, there's a very real, there's a very real phenomenon. People come back and they, they find that person. So how that happens, they don't have an explanation for, but it's true. And there were people that I had dreams of very intense dreams. Like, you know, like, in the, in the dream, I saw them in like a light form body. Like I remember you. And then a couple of days later, they would find me. And it was, they were friends really? of mine from my service. Yes. So it's a real thing, man. Um, and so I, I'll say four, four or five, but it's more than that. And uh, not a ton more, but it does happen. And um, it's just something about that. You know, when somebody's alive, you can tune into them. When you're good friends with somebody and you get a vibe with them, they're you know your best friend. They, that's how it is. I'll, I'll also make a reply to that as well. Um, so my opinion is that social media, while it was designed by our intelligence organizations to gather data and actually separate people, it's actually done the opposite within this community. I think. Oh because yeah. What's happened is is you have people who otherwise wouldn't recognize they wouldn't even know that i'm still alive had they not seen my face so like tony i've probably got about uh 12 people probably that either served with me or around me or knew who i was that specifically i know by face they know me by face um and two of those individuals one's peter the insider there's ted from quantum red pill cafe i'm not outing those guys because they're already out but mm -hmm. Tony is correct. There are some people who I, I'm like Tony, I know some people who have been in and I have served with them and because of their family situations or because of their marriage or because of the job they do, for them to talk to me about, you know, or have me share their testimony, that could potentially put them at great risk for either losing their job or their marriage or whatever. And, and some of these folks haven't even done the work, say that Tony and I have done, have going through you know, all the therapy and counseling and all this stuff, yeah. where we're, we're, try, we're trying to do the internal work, trying to get ourselves unscrewed up. These guys haven't even started that yet. So, yeah. So, uh, thank you for, thank you. And I totally understand that you don't want to out anybody. I get that fully. Uh, how about for you, Rebecca? Is there anyone? Yeah, I've one for sure. I've one for sure. And then uh, I, yeah. Um, I, I think also, I mean, this is a little off track with the question, but I think my brother was also taken um, for the programs. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I, I often wonder like if it, if it runs in the family or if it's just one unique yeah. individual. Do it you, does. Johan, do you have that as well? 
Yeah, I, I actually have a sibling who, uh, because of our genetic makeup, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fairly certain, like 99% certain, not 100, but real close. Yeah, I feel same. Yeah. That, that something happened with that sibling as well. And um, mm -hmm. that sibling has a lot of the same abilities I do in terms of the way I practice and the way I do things in terms of being a practitioner, spiritually speaking. Yeah. So it does, wouldn't surprise me at all if that sibling had not been in. Very interesting. Uh, I bet you a lot of people are questioning that same thing right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. All right, next question from Matt Smith. Are the Alpha Draco black gooed? I guess, are they infected with black goo? Or is it, is it just their nature to be that way? So Tony, you wanna take that? You want me to take it? I'll touch it. Uh, I think you're gonna have a better answer. Um, so there were procedures that they put me through where they used nano nanites and they were explaining to me how it worked where they put nanites in your body. And then my particular one, they said that there were different levels of quality of nanites and that the ones they were using me were just kind of like building something inside me. And they only worked while I was sitting on the table. In other words, the, the power that drove the nanites came from the table I was on. And if I would have left the room, they would have just been inert and eventually been out of my system, however. But they were explaining to me that the, the Draco, that the, their, their superiors, the people that were running everything, had a very advanced nanite in them. And they were mostly nanite. That actually, they had a, like a high concentration of very complex nanites that were working. And then I think that's a lot of like what the black goo is. I've seen, some inter I've seen some info on black goo, but I don't have any personal experience with it. So here's the way I'll answer that question. Um, okay, so we have to separate out the, the Draco Sakar bloodline, meaning the royal bloodline, from the rest of the Draco, first off, right? You got to separate that because typically speaking, anybody who's Sakar will not use any sort of implant. That's just the way they work. What that means, though, is, is a lot of your, the people that would be kings or your military leaders, the people in that third tier beneath the priests, they, in fact, are very heavily nanite infected, meaning... Now, what I was told was that they're actually black goo infected or some very highly sophisticated, like Tony was saying, a very highly sophisticated femtotech that's running through their system. And what I recommend, by the way, is if you want to see a video rendition of this, go watch the, the video from uh, Oats Studios called Raka, R-A-K-K-A. -K -K -A. That is actually highly realistic, in my opinion. It's one of the most realistic videos I've seen. This is why when people ask the question, well, what would happen if the Draco showed themselves? That's exactly what it would look like, by the way. But the point is, is that getting back to your, your point, um, many people from the, the warrior class down in the, in the Draco uh, hierarchy do in fact have that infection. And with Dark Fleet specifically, we were being pushed to start taking those injections ourselves. And uh, that was something that, like I said, 20% of us decided not to do. The old man, he had certain people in place and that, that fifth of the dark fleet basically left and went to Alliance because we didn't want to have that infection in our systems because of what it does to the human psyche. Somebody wants to know what does black goo look like? How would you, I mean, does it really black look goo. like black goo <laughs> or is it? Tough? If you were to hold a drop of it on your finger, it would look like, um, have you ever seen the, the very last uh, Prometheus movie that had the uh, alien movie? Yeah. That, the yeah. black stuff he pulled out of that container. Yes. Yeah. That's very close to black goo. 
Now, oh, okay. now secondly, and more importantly, uh, because it's femtotech, understand that nanotech, right, can't pass the blood cell uh, vein wall barrier, okay, because it's too big. Picotech, you're looking at almost being able to pass that barrier. And femtotech, which I think is like 10 to the minus 15th or something, it can actually pass the blood cell wall barrier, meaning that it can actually go inside the cell, repair stuff, and leave without ever, ever having to cut anything or move anything. Wow. So it's, it's actually smaller than a lot of molecules that are actively in the body. Um, and they work collectively together to create certain events. So um, that's, that's what it looks like. And it's actually highly intelligent. It's designed, it's kind of like what Tony was saying. If you have a field inducted energy system inside your ship or inside the environment, you're going to be able to power the, the, that, that femtotech or picotech or nanotech to do its job. Wow. Can you explain that a little more in detail, please? <laughs> no, I'm joking. That was that was a great explanation because sorry. Yeah, there's a lot I didn't even know there. Engineer brain kicked in. Sorry. Yeah. No, that was great, actually. I think a lot of people needed to hear that because this it is like an anomaly we hear about, but we don't really understand. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna jump to a question here Some, for somebody said Black Goose featured heavily in the super soldier program shown in X Files. Oh. If yeah, if you if you look that. at the guy who was the um, I can't what the guy's name is, but he's the guy that Mulder kept running into. That was the the guy who was in Russia that they who tried to capture. Remember him, the guy that was in that facility where they dumped the black goo in his mouth and his eyes and stuff. Oh yeah, I do remember that. I that that is actually what they're talking about. Yeah. Oh nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. So this is a question for Rebecca. Um, how do you find out? who your galactic families are. I know you are connected with, um, I don't know if it's your galactic family, but the Light Alliance ship. Yeah, I'm kind of, well, because I, I see, you know, I work as a seer full time. So it's easy for me to discern that stuff for myself or others that I work with. Um, if you don't have access to a lot of um, connection with the multidimensional realm, it of course is a bit harder. Um, but I feel like, you know, they make their appearance when we're ready. And sometimes if we make a place of stillness in our lives for that to emerge. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, somebody wants to know, are there any children on other planets meeting, meaning adolescents of other species, which I would imagine. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that was a quick answer. That was easy. <laughs> well, yes. I'll say on on series colony, I came in contact with children only a few times. It was one when I went into public, when I was into the civilian population away from the hangar area, and where I was going, I would run into. There were children that were riding the train, and when you'd get out on the train to connect to another one, you'd be in a town. And I, I actually that was the first time that I saw people in strollers, kids in strollers. So the local populace had kids there. Oh, wow. I saw kids on New Corellia or New Earth, whatever you want to call it, some of our bigger colonies. Uh, there are colonies where they do have children. Uh, for example, New Tel Aviv, uh, New Berlin, they do have children there who are being raised under the guise that this colony is like the, the survivor colony mindset. And you know, Tony and I chatted about the whole that the, the discussion slaves have about you know, how they keep people in mind with that particular topic. But um, the idea is, is that these children are raised in a completely different environment than they are here with a completely different history, by the way. Yeah, that's crazy. They're being taught a, a separate set of science. They're schooling 
and is a completely different history than what we learned down here for sure. Wow. Uh, it's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, are they all taught that not everywhere, but they are taught that earth has been destroyed depending on where you are. Yeah. Some most of them. Of yes. Yeah. Most of the German colonies. Yeah. Tony's right. They, they talk about this whole, uh, was the cobalt bomb that went off in 1949 or whatever. Um, they, they said it blew up the earth and the earth was basically left uninhabitable. And they do that so that any of the slaves, any of the slaves are there or any of the, the lower rung, um, uh, I guess, management caste, they don't have a way to get out of the system they're in. And when I went into those colonies, we, we weren't even allowed to even wear, we had to shower a certain way. We couldn't wear certain clothing. We couldn't wear any identification. You had to do things exactly certain protocols because if you, if you let, them, let on that you were from Earth, they would know. Wow. So they could smell it. Well, wow. I, have, I have a question that's my own question because every, so we've had all three of you guys on this month and there's every video, somebody comments saying this is all nonsense. The earth is flat and this <laughs> can't happen. There are no secret space programs. So can we get a collective answer on is the earth flat? Well, my, look, I've, I've been, I'm sorry, Johan. I don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, but this one is had, I've had a few close people that I talked to and then they were like flat earthers and it's like you try there's so much um they put up such a wall to any kind of uh you know proof against it but if the earth was flat the sun would shine on all of it at once and there wouldn't be a time zone so yeah right there they there's no explaining that the flat earth people don't have any answer around that the fact is I'm in Michigan and you guys are out west and the sun sets the sun sets earlier and rises earlier for me and we could verify this on a zoom call so mm -hmm. that means the earth the sun is in motion around it and if the earth was flat as soon as it came over the horizon everybody would have the sun at the same exact time so yeah there. <laughs> well We're and then you guys have also seen earth with your own eyes and you right i'm leaving that out of the picture i'm trying to keep it down to earth you know <laughs> yeah. what i'm saying like I'm, yeah. trying, I'm just saying like the sun comes up for me first and if I had, I have friends in London that I can call and it's midday. So that's impossible for the world to be flat at that point. Exactly. I also happen to be a ham radio operator in extra class. And one of the things that always happens is when people bring up the whole flat earth discussion, if the earth were flat, you would not have a thing called propagation. It would not work the way it is currently described in our physics models and the way that we currently works with our antennas if the earth was flat. I'm talking, this is completely like normal Earth tech. We're, we're not even talking up there yet. Okay. Physics still applies. <laughs> and when, every time I hear people talk about yeah. flat Earth, my, my pimp hand reflex wants to like, <laughs> like smack people. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is just like, are you really like, uh, come on, guys. Yeah. It's, it's not an expensive thing to verify for yourself. Like, no. really. It's, no. You could do it in a weekend. For a hundred bucks at less, and you can figure out the world is round. And well, so, tell me, but well, they tell just me don't this. Wanna... Tell me this. How many other planets did you did you visit were flat? That were flat. Well, those were all flat. Say that, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were all flat, man. Yeah. Oh, Everywhere yeah. else, Elon Musk, flat Mars yeah. society. <laughs> right. Um, it's flat Mars. They were all round. So really, space is only made up of two shapes: bodies and space. Large ones have are round, 
when they're large enough to have enough gravity, they collect it around. And then mega big things are disks, like galaxies and and mm -hmm. you know mega mega huge objects, or which are really like a more like a cloud. That's it. There's a physics term for that, yeah. by the way. It's called the ecliptic plane, by the way. When right. the, for the ecliptic, start, right? People start plane, talking yes. about the ecliptic or mega big. Yeah, when I mean, people start on the ecliptic, what you're really talking about is there's so much gravitational pull around a well, gravity well, that that gravity well actually, sorry about that, uh, the gravity well actually will keep things at a very specific difference due to Lagrange points. And Lagrange points are also gra gravity neutral centers and being pulled by a body. And that wouldn't happen again if you had a flat scenario. So, because you have to have a dip yeah. In order to have that gravity well, I mean, it's just standard physics models. Well, most most flat earthers that I've seen don't believe in space. They think space is doesn't exist, and they're like anyone who says they've been to space is either brainwashed or is lying, programmed, programmed yeah. or whatever. You, you know what? That's an that's an awesome point because that's why because whoever came up with flat earth theory put a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort into it. And now you have the results. That's exactly the result they wanted yeah. because they're trying to stop disclosure. They don't want people to know. It's, it's exactly. the people that are in charge up there that are benefiting from the secret space program, not the space program, but it being a secret. Those people that are benefiting from that has put a lot of resources into fanning the flames of this theory, you know, flat earth theory. And you know what? And here's the thing is it's out of an old playbook because it worked a thousand years ago to stop people from sailing and discovering because they were out sailing and discovering new places to mine resources and they didn't want other people to do it on their own. So they said, world's yeah. flat. And that's how it, well, you know what I'm saying? They're like, why, why not use it again? Well, and more, exactly. and more, to, and more to Tony's point, this is the, the exact uh, slant that the Catholic church took against a lot of people that were studying how plants moved and your cosmologists, your early cosmologists, they, they took a very hard stance against these individuals. And this is the exact crap they would throw at them every time saying they were speaking heresy, that we were not the center of the universe and the universe wasn't flat. The earth wasn't flat. It's the same, it's the same crap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. somebody wants to know, which we already know this and anybody who's been following you guys know this, but there might be some people in here who don't understand and you can elaborate on it. Why does the SSP release you guys from slavery and let you remember? And to me, it's like almost like, well, how, why are they allowing you guys to speak? People think well, if this was real, they would they not. Would ne you would never be able to talk about it or remember. Tony, can I hit this one first? Okay. First off and foremost, I wasn't allowed to speak. Let me let that sink in. In where? In the programs? Let me just let that sink in. Down here, I was not allowed to speak. I regained my memory after going through a year and a half of trauma counseling. Okay, very difficult trauma counseling for me. Secondly, and more importantly, I've, I've said this, other experiencers have said this, there's about a three to 5% failure rate on the blank slating technology. We know this, everyone knows this. And it's, it has a lot to do with stuff like pain anchors. It has to do with environmental stuff. It has to do with the way people remember things. Maybe, maybe their synaptic mapping has changed over time. But the mm -hmm. idea is to, to say that someone just can't have their memories back is kind of ridiculous in my opinion. Now, going directly at the point you were making earlier about the, about these program managers and these people allowing us to talk. 
Sure, some of us do in fact still have connections back over there. I do. And when these individuals come to me and they forward me information, talk to me about it, I'm basically told how to handle that information. You know, other people are too. As I've said before, I will not endanger people up there. I will not disclose operational security stuff because there are cases where if we do that, we're endangering lives up there and down here. I will not do that. Well, and and who's who's to stop like Rebecca from remembering her story as a childhood and just remembering right. it and talking about it? Like, how are you not allowed to talk about your memories when, I, I don't know, it's just like, do they own you anymore? No, like it's, you should be able to do as you please with that information. Yeah, if they've done their job right though, we don't remember anything. I mean, in, you know, in their terms, if they've perfected their, their uh, <clears throat> technology, then we are blind. Like for every one of us three sitting up here talking, there are hundreds more people who either do not know, thousands, you know, that don't know they were taken or are so fucked up that they are never gonna figure this out. You know, um, it's it's a battle to get memories back. Whether you know, you're Tony saying, uh, you know, I know you're not having my memories, or Johan, all that you went through to gather this information, or myself, you know, I had, you know, a different story there <clears throat> um, too. Like it, I'm I'm working because I know it's there, and I'm not gonna stop. And this needs to be spoken about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Uh, what I found with most people, that, I'm sorry, I, I just want to say it's a touch on the subject. What I found with most people that come, you know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, dude, I remember something like what you went through. It's not the same, but I don't have all the memory back out. And um, most people have, I mean, like a great number, like he, like Johan said, three to 5% that get recalled. But most people go through it and they have some sort of memory. They just don't know what it is. It just doesn't make any sense. They're like flashes, you know, yeah. very small, like five seconds of memory out of the 20 years or 40 years, however long. So the memories are incomplete. So they don't, they don't speak about it. In my circumstance, they were going to give me a lobotomy and put me back at the end. They were using chronovision technology to look in the future and see that I remembered. And they took me and I was going to go through a procedure. I was going to get a full lobotomy and I was going to wake up in my bed as a cripple, mentally crippled for the rest of my life. That that's what they do. You know what I mean? And it does happen. I mean, how, how many kids I wonder wake up like that. But when they took me over to the procedure, they didn't have my record. They couldn't do the paperwork. So they said, just cut him loose because he's not even in, he's not even, there's not even a record of him. And that is something, it's kind of a long story. I'll touch, it's in the book I'm coming out with. And I've touched on it in other interviews, but there was a long story. They didn't do the paperwork. So they, they didn't allow me to do it. I was caught in a, like a hiccup, a clerical error that let me go back and keep my health. So later on, I did remember. Mm, yeah. So this is, um, there's so many questions coming in here. So yeah, this one, this one doesn't have to um, necessarily deal with uh, the SSP, but it is, uh, Johan, you might know this. Have you guys ever heard of Tartaria? Um, a civilization that was supposed to exist once here on earth that kind of got erased. Okay. So I, I can tell you that there's at least three species that have lived here on earth. First was a Draco, which is why they call earth or Eden. Second was a created species that eventually left and they've become pretty prominent the Zayreticulans and then us. And 
the, the group that was primarily responsible for creating the zeta reticulans in us were the Lyrans, and they're our genetic cousins. Now, if you look at Atlantis, Atlantis and Lemuria, they were their colonies here on Earth. And they've got a colony actually that's on Enceladus around Saturn, which is the USS Art Corp thing that Tony and I were chatting about. And that, those are the three groups. They were dissidents fighting the Draco, which is why they came here. They basically went to Tigetta. The Pleiadians said, sorry, you guys are a little bit too warlike. You got to leave. They came here. And then the Draco followed the prince that was here, found them here, and basically asked to kill them. And the Galactic Federation said, we can't have you killing the local race here, the local populace. So they took care of the problem. They actually raised both of the colonies and sunk them. And uh, they forgot all about the Enceladus moon base, apparently. So, Interesting. Yeah, um, there was just a lot of questions coming up about Tartaria. So that's why I asked that. But clearly, that's not any information you guys have been introduced to in the programs. Somebody does have an interesting question. This is from Alexa. Why do most whistleblowers in a space program, why are they Americans? Or do we do we prominently see Americans coming forward? Is Well, that is a complicated question. Um, first off and foremost, one of my altars was not American. Really? One of my altars was primarily used in East, well, in Europe and in Russia. He was never used anywhere else. So that's the first thing. Uh, the primary altar name that I'm using right now, my little thing right here in the corner, uh, that guy was used primarily off-planet, although he did do some work here with Kruger. We do see a lot of people who come from England and Europe, some folks from Africa, Asia, India, China. They all have their own secret space programs that either are still currently active or they have collapsed back into what we would call today the alliance. So depending upon the timeline and, and where they are and monetarily who's supporting what. Um, there's there's a, a whole big discussion around that. For example, look at the, the Chinese, the Red, the, uh, the Red Rising Star, which is uh, Russia, and the Hong Long, which is the um, Red Dragon, which is the Chinese version. Those two specifically, the, the Russian version collapsed back into what we call today the Solar Warden or the Alliance. The Chinese version was primarily being forwarded and still today being primarily backed by the triads, which is a underground mafia organization in China. Mm -hmm. So to say that these organizations will allow someone to come forward, I, I, I don't know. I, all I know is, is that with, with us, usually in America, at least they cut us loose when they finally used us enough. And then when we finally get enough, you know, brains back to figure out what happened to us, all of a sudden you can talk about it. That was a great answer. Thank you for that. Um, Rebecca, is Planet X considered, well, considered heaven or paradise since it's so beautiful? Have, are there Anunnaki on it? So I think they, they're under the impression. Oh, they're thinking of Nibiru, maybe. Yeah, they're thinking. So yeah, clarify that again. So the Planet X, you Yeah, were, when I for, refer to Planet X, I don't feel that's synonymous with Nibiru. It's the ninth planet, which our science is having struggle, struggle with uh, conceiving of um, in the Kuiper Belt. So different different thing um yeah is that is that kind of what they were yeah i think that the so question? Is it heaven I or something they were under the impression that the planet x you were talking about was nibiru that's why that no. question refer, referred to the anunnaki um this is a question for i guess all of you guys are there certain benevolent races who want to align with 
uh, align with and help us humans solely for their own purpose agendas and planets? Like, are they helping us for their benefit? Like, do they need us to uh, evolve so they can evolve? Or so I'll, I'll take a first strike at it and we'll see if anyone else wants to take a strike at it, I guess. Um, originally, that was the agreement between us and the Draco. So the Draco needed a mobile military force to basically patrol their boundaries. That's where Dark Fleet came into play. Secondly, when we started establishing uh, colonies off Earth, that made us immediately intergalactic, which gave us an immediate seat on the Galactic Federation as an observer seat for us to watch and observe how they do business. Now, the reason why they did that is because we're considered a young race by their standards. And secondly, more importantly, we act like two-year-olds. I've said this before in some of my interviews. We, we as humans, we tend to throw temper tantrums. We get mad. We get violent. We get upset. We, we do dumb shit. It happens. And then people go, well, why did you do that for? And it's like, well, that's just the way humans are. But the fact is, is that we haven't gotten ourselves to the point where we're awake enough to understand that our actions have implications elsewhere, energetically, emotionally, spiritually. When that happens... Other, once we finally make that awareness shift, I believe you're going to see other races step in because we've heard this gentleman, Hayim Ashed, who is the Israeli uh, rocket and space head. He has said already that the Galactic Federation has approached Israel. They've approached the U.S. They've already told us that once we get to the point where we stop acting like two-year-olds, they want to interface with us. They want to start having this this uh, you know, constant dialogue with us about us evolving and becoming a space-faring race. But the problem is, is that they, they said we also have to start acting more like ascended beings, which means we have to start understanding what does it, what does it mean to be a fourth density being. And of course, you know, Tony, he's already started his discussions and his classes on Wall of One. And this is exactly kind of what we're talking about, this idea around, you know, if you're a fourth density being, you already know that you, you treat someone else in love but you also know behind you, the universe is bringing in people right behind you who are going to give you love because it's a collective mindset. It's not, it's no longer a singular mindset, which is very third density, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about is a shift in mindset of just me now to all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was, absolutely. Ab yeah. That was very beautifully stated. I agree with all that. There's uh, Tony, also, there's also a technological uh, we're going to have to catch up to the technology as well. We're still kind of behind the times in our energy consumption mm -hmm. and our energy habits, the way that we uh, deal with even products and things we have, we have kind of bad habits in our lifestyle and our energy consumption is going to have to catch up technologically. And it's going to, we're going to see some very uh, quick advances in our energy consumption in the next four years, five years, we're going to see some big advances. Mm. Yeah. yeah when James and I did our talk on the, uh, the SSP 101 video that we did, um, in that talk, one of the things we discussed, the two areas you're going to see the first big disclosures in are going to be the medical side, where you see all the med bed technology, all the, 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 the medical health technology, which in my opinion, doctors will have to reshape the way they do medicine in that case, but it will also cause the pharmaceutical companies to go out of business, in my opinion. The second thing that's going to happen is exactly what Tony just said. You're going to see a different style of energy being used to fuel us as a species. Therefore, we stop destroying our environment. And when that happens, you're going to see a whole technological shift happen here on Earth. Absolutely. 
Well, I think we're ready for it. Well, not all of us, but I am. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, does Tony have any more info about the Draco temporal temporal bubble of Jupiter? I, well, I uh, more than what you know. I've I've talked about it in a lot of interviews that I've done and described it as best I can. I I don't know uh, what other info I could give. It's a big black, a round ball you know, of space that, depending on what angle you go, what angle and what speed you go in, you you you're out of time space. And when you leave it, you can come back in the very wrong time. You know, you can come back into the future or the past. You have to leave it at the exact angle that you and speed that you went you entered it. There, it's a complicated thing. I didn't have any. I didn't have any kind of input into that, that process, but there was a time that we left and we came back 16 hours before we entered it. So we had to kill that time. And we, it was grueling because we had to stand and do nothing for 16 hours. We couldn't go back to base. We were done with our day after a long day. So it turned into like a 24 hour day work day because we went in that bubble and the captain came over the speak, the, the speakers and said that the navigators you know, screwed up and we could all thank him for, for our, our, uh, the next 16 hours we were going to waste doing nothing. And uh, to make it, to make matters worse is there was a score, there was a productivity score. And if we sat down, we lost points and I was trying to, so for like 12 hours of that, I stood and I, I eventually nodded off and dropped to a knee and lost the points, but it, it, it was a crappy day. I mean, it was a very bad day. So though that's my, probably second strongest memory of that temporal bubble. That's what I thought of it. You know, every time we went there, we like, Jesus, this is going to happen again. Most of the time it didn't. Are you talking the ambassadorial locations above Jupiter? Well, there was, yeah. So there is one that we frequented where we would go and contact for the trade missions. There was a bulletin board system in there that we would go. And that was a, the ambassadorial one. And that was like a peaceful one. There's another one. There's a whole separate bubble that has a Draco base inside of it. Yes. And the only, and it's a smaller one and it's a Draco base and it's dark. Like I looked out the window at it, the other, the ambassadorial one, I never laid eyes on it, you know, because I was at my post whenever we went there and I was told to stay at my post, but I did see the Draco one and it was like a, like a dark Brown metal, you know, base station, space station. But I guess the other one was easier on the eyes. It had lights and things. Yeah. The ambassadorial one. The ambassadorial station sits right above the north equatorial pole of Jupiter. Literally, if you look down, you can see the hexagram pattern and the gas is moving around Jupiter when you get a punch in, right? And that particular location, you're right. That, that, that particular ambassadorial station is very well lit. It's mostly white colored with this black strip up on the landing end of the station. And um, I've been there a few times. The, the Draco station that you're talking about, uh, that is actually a military in, uh, intelligence post used by the Draco to make sure to watch us and what we're doing. That's where whenever there was a problem, which we did, we had a big problem towards the end. And they, my, the, the crew of our ship were taken there to be reprimanded. That's when we went there. And they brought us along because I sat in on the mission briefings. They brought us along out of the cargo area as fodder because sometimes they kill people like when the draco call you in to have a meeting you're going to get disciplined they'll drop one or two of you 
to make their point across. And so they brought us along to have bodies to, to increase their chance odds of living through this situation. That's the only reason that I went along with it. And so when we got to the outside of the door, we walked through the hallway. And when we got to the outside of the door where we were going to go in, they knew who I, who we were. There were four guys like me that were basically slave class people. And they, they made us stay outside because they knew what was going on. You know, they, they figured it out. And, um, so it was a scary time. That was another time that you didn't forget. That's another one of those unforgettable things. Um, it was terrifying. Mm. Yeah, Rebecca. Um, so somebody here, this, is, can, this can be for Rebecca, but for all of you guys, really. How does consciousness operate a clone and the original human at the same time? Do they share consciousness or are they half a person each does the original person know about the other do they know about each other those are good questions those are really good questions because with the cloning it gets so it gets really swimmy and complicated and i've talked about in my interviews before like i knew i was dead on mars in this particular situation where i'd been you know terminated um by one of those spiders my my technology and my biology were dead in my my consciousness was I was still kind of wondering where to go so I don't know that I've actually answered that question sufficiently to myself but um, consciousness is unlimited so it, I don't know how to parse this out in linear terms I mean it's possible to have in my experience multiples um, it, it doesn't uh, make you less in another form um, as far as I understand that now uh, did that kind of answer that question can I take a stab at it? Yeah, please. Yeah, and it did. It did, Rebecca, but it's it's very complex. So yeah, please, Johan. The way it was explained to me, and again, this could be completely wrong, but the way it was explained to me is if you look at how we are as souls, right? Uh, technically, we're part of an older soul that what we call our divine creator, right? We're each fragments down here living, experiencing certain experiences down here to bring that back to that older soul when we finally rejoin with the divine creator right now if you look at us independently as souls the fracturing process does the exact same thing there's a part of our essence that gets transferred into that clone body copied right into that clone body and eventually when that clone body either passes dies from combat or whatever the japanese material we had actually said that what would happen is that fragment, that essence would rehome back to the originating soul. And what happens in that rehoming process, we use that a lot in Kruger because you may get sent out on a mission, you may get shot. And if you get shot, they immediately go, okay, we're putting you back in a new clone body. Boop. What did you learn from the last mission? You know where he is, go kill him again. And that process might happen a few times when you get sent back after the same target two or three times and you finally do kill him. And that's the scary thing. If you're a target and you know one of these programs is after you and they're using someone like me as a super soldier to come after you, uh, you know there's probably no out. And a lot of times people want to come immediately to the negotiating table because they don't want to have to deal with that. So it forces a lot of immediate deals inside some of these broker business deals. So, Okay, well... I hope that answers your question because I think that clone, uh, the clone topic is something that fascinates me a lot too. And I've really gotten a chance to kind of understand it after, after interviewing you guys in my own research. But um, 
did were you going to add something rebecca or did it look like you were about to no, say something? i i would just agree that it's a, it's a complex topic i mean from the cloning process because there's more than one way to create a clone there's more than one uh and i feel like they can come out with different qualities of clone depending on their technology and then you know what i was talking about in my interview is that um you know once they're sent like i was sent into other places in time and other timelines, other uh, places beyond our solar system, I think things get even more interesting um, with uh, what we could call, you know, Tyler, you and I were talking about like, the, oh, you know, the return of the consciousness, when does it expire? If, is there actually time in a different, you know, how does time run and how do I age in a different, uh, in a clone body in another timeline, another, you know, space, space time reality. So uh, it gets like, you know, anybody's head is going to spin a little bit with all of this, I feel. Mine sure yeah. has. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That yeah. was an important point is that there is more than one way to skin the cat of splitting up quantum, quantum superfluid consciousness. And in my, in my experience, when I was from the time that I was taken and when I was put back, I was less of a, you know, uh, I was mentally less then after it was all over with like i literally woke up one day felt like a million bucks felt like a million bucks and, and i kept saying it's over it's over and it was it was it and when i went back and look at the time frame it was pretty much exactly 20 years after i was originally taken and my life immediately from that day took a better trajectory because i was all to myself and during that time there were times it, early on in the younger years early on there were times when I would go to sleep, I would come home from school, kiss mom and say goodnight, dad, and go to sleep. And as soon as I went to sleep, I woke up you know, on a base somewhere. And mm -hmm. in, in that in that other identity, what am I doing here? And I experienced a few minutes there until I went back to sleep. So there was a, there was some pinging back and forth. So if that doesn't match up with other people's experiences, doesn't mean that it's bunk or theirs are bunk it's just because there are so many different technologies at work there are different versions of it for different outcomes some people go there's many people that say that they go for 50 60 years in a pop i don't know i was told that my particular uh brand that i went to was limited capped at 20 years per tour because of the, just the way it was so who knows uh, you know i um and i say it all the time just because i had kidney surgery doesn't mean i know how to work on a kidney mm. The, the quantum entanglement part of it really does break a lot of the normal, what, what Rebecca said with the linear time rolls, it does break a lot of that. And Rebecca's exactly right. So you look at, for example, like what the, the clones that Kruger made, they were actually genetically refined clones, meaning they were genetically edited to remove all the garbage genes out of our genetic makeup. If you look at what Mark does in terms of how they edit their clones, that's exactly what Rebecca said. They're a lower quality clone. So this is why you'll notice like when some people are using these, uh, what they call a security enhancement, meaning they're in a clone body operating down here. Some of these big name stars, uh, people are politicians will use these clone bodies. But what happens is the clone body actually breaks down faster than it would normally because it's inferior genetics. And we see this happening a lot. They'll have all these weird problems like, all of a sudden, you notice that the brain capacity of the, the, the clone starts acting strange, like the person starts having these weird idiosyncratic issues going on. You'll notice that they'll have issues with communication or they start in spasms. And it's because the nervous system is usually the first thing to break down. So 
these inferior clones that like Rebecca was mentioning is exactly what we're kind of talking about here. Now, the other thing too is, and what Tony was chatting about in terms of going back and forth between him being here and being up there, the term that I always heard was called biolocation, which means essentially because a part of you is genetically linked to that clone up there, essentially you have a silver cord running between your body and that body. And part of your essence is always in flux. So until that clone passes, there's a chance that you could biolocate over to that clone body potentially. And I've heard a lot of people make that statement where they said, you know, I was in bed. I woke up over there for a little while, came back. What the hell was that? I've had it happen when I was a kid too. So I, like Tony, I, I actually share that experience. And that the term that I was heard, like I said, was called biolocation. So, mm. so how long, somebody wants to know, how, how long does it take to clone someone? Is there a, uh, is each one different or is there a specific time it takes? 30 minutes, about 30 minutes. I've, well, I've heard it, they have to like, some of them, they actually have to grow the clone and it takes like 20 years. Is that totally no. wrong? Totally well, wrong. Uh, I don't know the process, but they could be growing a blank. And then once they get your DNA, put it in there, and it, but it's only about 30 minutes. Um, that's what I was told on more than one occasion. I've seen, I've seen a full human clone of me that was edited me, my Kruger clone, and that was done in 30 days. 30 days. And that's a high quality clone. Now, some of the lower quality clones, obviously, if you only had, like Tony was saying, maybe a blank, which is where some of this, some of these issues may be coming in, meaning the lower quality stuff, right? Sure, maybe 30 minutes to an hour, maybe. But like I said, usually with Kruger, they were very exacting about what they wanted in that clone and how they wanted that clone to behave and not behave. And they would, they would edit that clone to a very fine degree. Yeah, I think it depends on the technology, like we've said, you know, like in what group and what time frame, like, you know, cloning's come up far away since probably the 70s even, um, right. you know, in different groups, you know, what they were doing in Dulce versus what they were doing on Mars versus what they were doing in the, you know, different facilities. So um, there's so many factors, I think, that come into play there, but it's not, yeah, it doesn't have to be too painstaking, really. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say that earlier we were talking about the blank slating, the effectiveness of blank slating. What I've found with people that I've dealt with is that right around the early 80s, there tend to be more people that can defeat that blank, blank slating versus people that were taken later on in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And then when you get people that are taken, you know, closer to 2000, they're still out there. There are a lot of people that are still serving. So it's harder for them to get their memories because it tends to happen after the tour is over. But the blank slating early on in the 80s was done in a different method that wasn't as effective as it is now. So it probably the same thing. It, it would make sense that the human run programs have the same uh, situation with better cloning now. That now. Well, and you also have a different entrainment process too via MKUltra, right? So if you look at prior to the 80s, you have what we call the old school trauma-based uh, uh, you know, in, indoctrination, right? That's some of the stuff that I went through. When you got up toward like 2000, there was a shift around 1990 to 2000 when they started shifting in between trauma to what we call 3GR. 3GR does not use the same trauma-based uh, induction method like what, say, Tony and I went through, for example, what you know, Rose and I, or, or Rebecca, or whoever happened to be involved in the programs. There's a different process after 2000. The 3GR system uses three green lights and one red light. And... 
you don't have all of the all of the, the the necessary pain induction that some of the early folks like me and Tony and Rebecca and others went through. And um, the big thing there is, is that that entrainment also creates a different way of encapsulating the information, right? So if you don't have pain encapsulating the information, how is it being encapsulated, right? You could put a, a cover screen on it, make it a really bad dream, and people would forget it. They're like, I don't want to remember that stuff anymore, which means a lot more people are less willing to come out and talk about it versus sure. you know, us talking about it. So if you have a really bad reoccurring dream, it, it could be a screen memory uh, blocking the real memories of your time in the programs, let's say. I had a, I had a, I had a friend of mine who was my XO. Um, she was trying to recover some of her memories. And she always had uh, a memory of a certain specific event happening. And when that event happened, she kept thinking that this other individual was involved. And what that was was a screen memory for her actually being uh, taken up actually taken into the programs. My mm. case, uh, I was actually with her once and I had a full-blown recall out of nowhere where I was actually in a cage. And initially in the dream, I saw these three clowns and I couldn't figure out why I was scared of the three clowns. And all of a sudden, uh, Johan stepped into my head and said, let me remove the blinds for a minute and let me show you what's really going on. The minute the blind got slid to the side, those three clowns become three, three Draco. One was royal. And all of a sudden, you see this Royal Draco who stands walking into the room. And of course, those of us that have been around Royal Dracos, we know what they smell like. You have that laugh that kind of hits you. And here I am in a cage being basically electrocuted because our pod, our group of 20 kids had failed this certain test. And I was like five or six. And they jerk one of these girls out of the cage and they put them right in front of our cage. And the Draco splits her right in the middle of his finger. And she flumps to the ground dead. And I got blood on my face. And in this cage, I'm being electrocuted. So... This is what we're talking about is the, the dream itself is a screen memory for the trauma that you probably actually went through in some cases, but you've got to figure out what is the metaphor your brain is using for the covering of the screen memory. The brain will always try to decode it, but sometimes it falsely decodes it. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's actually, um, I'm so glad you brought that up. It makes so much sense. And especially now, more and more, it seems like people have memories coming back or they're having these dreams or something's going on. So I think you made some very valid points. Did, uh, Rebecca, did you want to add anything to that? I know you were nodding along. I was, uh, you know, I work with clients myself to help them see what's going on for them. And so often we come into the like, oh, like you said, Johan, oh, there's these clowns. What are these clowns doing? And it's like, well, this is like the screen memory, but let's part that curtain and look at what's really there. I mean, just the screen memory phenomena is pretty huge in all this. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So somebody, I don't know who asked this question anymore, but they asked, is there a technology that you're aware of that can, re that can reverse or unlock these memories once you're out of the program? Or, or is it something that you have to just kind of be lucky, there would be. be lucky enough or what? Yes, there is technology out there, but what they would have to do is you have to get over two things first. One, you have to have a specialist who's willing to help you reintegrate that part of who you are into your consciousness first. And the second thing they have to do while that's going on is help you, help you get over temporal dysphagia. And what I mean by that is those of us that have been in the programs, especially like me, like I technically, I still have somebody in the other timeline up there. So what that means for me is I have competing memories of up there and now all at the same time. That's temporal dysphagia. Like I literally have memories of 
other stuff happening at the exact same day right now up there as I'm here. Wow. So constantly I'm always using my, this little metal band to say, is it real? Not real. Am I here? Am I good? What's going on? So go ahead, Rebecca. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, even if you could have that technology, you have, you got to be really ready for that because if you get a data dump with you, somebody hands you a CD and it's got all your information on it, you have better done a goddamn good lot of work before you get there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Right. A lot of people, everybody wants to, says, has all the, the common denominators that they were taken. I remember being taken. I remember this. I remember coming back. I want more memories. And why can't I remember? And I say, you might not want to remember. There's a lot of things. I mean, do you want to wake up and remember that you were a homosexual? Do you want to wake up and remember that you were a killer, that you killed? killed. You know what I mean? Do you want to wake up and remember seeing things that you don't want to know remember you know you're you there may be a subconscious block that doesn't let the memories happen there's a big deal that's a big ledge to leap off of to get all those memories back and it's and like you said just the data dump just the day-to-day data dump you know i i woke up and had to remember that i was a slave do you want to remember that and so there there are there are some questions that need you need to be ready for ready to answer before you even go down that road one the very first phr session i did the very first post-hypnotic regression session i did i literally bled out of the palms of my hands on the floor of my therapist's office because i literally was squeezing my hands so tight because the memory i had was me essentially glassing an entire planet now let me, let me put this into perspective here there, we have what we call uh, protocols within dark fleet that you're required to maintain regardless of what happens. So for example, let's say that you have what we, we, we would call biological containment issues. <laughs> well, that means you have to do what's called purge protocols. And a purge protocol basically means that you tack nuke the entire planet clean and then you send soldiers down to clean to kill anything else that's still moving. Wow. That's what pur- purge protocols are. And here I am giving the order, watching my guys on this comm station dying I'm literally squeezing my hands so tight that I bled out on her floor for the palms of my hands. Wow. Because she, she asked a very simple question in her hypnosis. She says, what is the core of your PTSD? And the minute I recalled that, I was literally shaking in the chair, squeezing my hands. I'm telling her this whole story in German, mind you, not in English. I know no German, by the way. But here I'm recalling it in German, telling her this. And I'm recalling a three-way conversation between the old man, the guy controlling the ship, me, and the actual person at the comm station, and I'm bleeding out on, on my floor of, the, of this lady's office, just bleeding out the floor. And um, she freaked out. It's the first time I've ever seen her really freak out. She, she brought me out. She, she, as she was cleaning the floor. <laughs> she brought me out. She put Band-Aids on my hands, and then she's like, okay, we need to do some very heavy energy work on you. <laughs> and yeah. literally, she put me on the table, and that was like my very first movie session ever. And, um, but that, but this is exactly what Rebecca and Tony have been talking about is this idea that you've got to be in the right headspace and in the right energy space to process all that crap that comes back. Because like, like, like in my situation was, do I really want to know that I committed genocide? Well, not really, but that's part of exactly what you're dealing with. You were given orders to do a certain task and you did it. And all of a sudden you, you just committed this act that by normal human standards is atrocious. But the fact is, it's part of what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you, Johan. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
the other thing about the technology aspect of it is it may be a coincidence or it may be something to do with an older uh, version of blank slating, but I got my memories back about two weeks after I got an MRI scan of my head. And that's been spoken of in other, uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but a, a year later I read the Mars records and I think Michael Ralph had said that he had uh, his memories after an MRI. And I went, wait a minute. And I had, I went back to the website and had my, the dates, you know, I had my first emails that I sent to some researchers that gave me the date. So I knew it was, that was the day I remembered. And then I went back into my medical records and it was about two weeks apart. So that might be something that does it, it or it could be a coincidence. MRI for me as well. I had MD in 2012, near death experience. I got MRI after that whole bunch of crap came out and then for me the second time that i had verified was when peter asked the insider asked me he said he said well you know when your second alter died right it was in october of 2016 well guess what happened in october 2016 i had a stroke really so so you have these effects when you have a, an alter that's a massive part of who you are i mean it's, it's taking up a lot of energy in terms of who you are when that alter passed for me all that stuff rehomed back to me it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was literally like, like somebody walking up and smacking me in the chest. And the thing is, is I didn't even, at that point, I wasn't even like correlating like SSP to my health. There wasn't like any like bridge there yet. Mm -hmm. But as soon as Peter said that, I'm like, what the, I mean, literally I had like that moment where I was like, I crap my pants. I'm like, how did he know that? And all of a sudden we're talking about it. And he's like, he's like, Oh yeah, you had this stroke on October 21st of 2016. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly when Victor Kamkov died. Right. So th this is the stuff that people don't want to talk about because it's hard to really process that energy. When that energy comes back to you, we, I'm a practitioner like Rebecca. And one of the things that you've got to do is really be in your heart space to figure out how emotionally to deal with that. And then intellectually, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you talk about the fact that part of you is out here doing this stuff and now it's back here. And what does that mean? Right. There's that big, what does that mean question that keeps popping up for people. And sometimes we don't know what it means, but we, what we do know is we understand the experience. We understand that we went through all this stuff and we as humans have got to figure out collectively, how do we stop this from happening to our species? That's the big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. so is, is there uh, somebody, this is a generic question, but is there a way out for humanity? Uh, is there something happening behind the scenes right now that, we don't know about that some of these dark forces are being taken out and we there is hope for us i think both sides of that are currently fighting for what's going to happen i think there is a very real movement of of behind the scenes of people that have access to these things that want it to go away from being the abusive programs that they are and there are people that benefit from taking people and being abusive that are fighting to keep it you got to think like i I say it a lot and I know it sounds bad, but if you had the ability to take anybody that you wanted, program them to do anything that you want for 20 years or a year, just one year, and then put them back and they wouldn't remember it. If I, you guys, Tyler and Aaron, if, I, if you guys had that ability to take somebody and do whatever you wanted with them, make them be your butler or do whatever, and then put them back and they had no memory. So there's no harm, no foul, really. You put them back in somebody from your life now, and then strangers, and multiply that. Like, 
at first you would find things that were cool to do. You like if you just entertain that ability. At first you would find, but after a while it would be a slippery slope and it would get ugly quick. Do you get what I'm saying? And you're a good guy. I'm not calling you bad guys, but I'm just saying just that absolute power over somebody would corrupt absolutely. And that's where that's where we're at. You know that uh, you know it's not ETs only doing it. It's it's people from the government. And at first they just had fun with it, but after a while it got it, it hit a slippery slope. And there's a lot of abuse there. I mean, I know if I had that ability to do with somebody, you know, I would, like I said, at first I might start out kind of, bit, but after you got used to pulling it off over and over again, you know, you would, you would stretch the limit. You would, you would do bad things. Yeah. I guess. I mean, like, it just makes sense. When a person comes into any sort of wealth, you really see their true colors at that point. Yep. Well, and more importantly, if you look at the military industrial complex side of this, which is where all these programs are really based, right? Uh, if you look at that side of this, you know, necessity was the mother of creation here, right? So you have groups that wanted to make sure they had essentially unalterable, unfaltering troops fighting in battle, all of their support staff who wouldn't remember fighting with these guys. And then all of the logistics chains and the people supporting the bases, we're talking a huge undertaking. When people ask me the very simple question, how come other people are not talking about this? Look at the Manhattan Project, right? Manhattan Project was done in 1945. No one talked about it until 1985. That's when the records, the first records from the Manhattan Project started hitting the news, 1985-ish, right? All of a sudden, people start talking about it. It's like, well... No one talked about it for that full 40 year period. What the fuck, you know? And it's like, well, you know, here we are. We're in the exact same position, but this is a much bigger program. It's still in play, which is why you don't hear people talking about it because of the security that the OPSEC around trying to keep this quiet. Yeah. Rebecca, did you want to add to that as far as your outlook on, do you think there's a way out for us? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, why are we so tampered with? We're powerful. I mean, we're, we're wanted. We're, we got stuff inside of us. There's so much hope for us. There's so much hope. I mean, the grand stage of, of duality that we're playing out here, you know, the theater of light and dark for which we all came in and are all partaking, you know, it's also reflecting our light and this is going to end, you know, this yeah. is going to transform into something else. And if we're stuck in this sort of um, third density kind of mentality around it, we're going to kind of lose that. And of course, you know, for watching media and we're just kind of going through our lives, but it's always there running in the background. And to me, it's about the, you know, we've mentioned the heart and the elevation of our consciousness. Like, I feel like the most important thing I can do right now is not about like developing my social media platforms. It's about developing my consciousness. So it might sound cliche, but we are that hope. There, there's totally hope. There's, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, amen. Amen to amen. that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I guess this is a, um, from somebody else. What do you think of the concept of free will? So where does that come in as far as just being taken to the programs or not? Because this is a free will planet. Any of you guys? Yeah, I can. To I would, from my perspective, I would say I totally. I know this will sound nuts to people. I've said this before, but I think I volunteered for the whole thing, the whole show from beginning to end. You know, I mean, it's when I look at my birth, in my family, and ritual abuse, and my father, my godfather working in dark ops, black ops. I came in for the Light Alliance. You know, I've talked about them some. 
but I wanted to know from the inside the belly of the beast, what the fuck was going on with the galactic slave trade? We wanted to find out about that more closely. So that's the way to find out from my perspective as a soul, go down into the darkest belly of the, the deepest hell realm and find out how that's operating so that you know what you're working with. Yeah. Thank you I for answering that. I'm not expecting everyone there to agree like, with me, but that's that's what I have determined about just myself. I, I actually would agree with you, Rebecca, and I would also add, add this too. I think the Palladians have said this, uh, the Arcturans have said this, and some other groups have said this. Those of us that are in these mind control programs, we do not incur karma for having been in these mind control programs, yeah. first off and foremost. Thank you. <laughs> Second off, and more importantly, they also understand that when these groups interface with us, especially if they know the program involved, they may already know that we're mind controlled because of the energy around which a lot of us are operating. So, it, because it feels off to them, it doesn't feel like we're acting out of a natural, like compassionate state, which would be fourth density, fifth density, right? The, the other thing I would say too, is that I, I, I see humanity in a conflict right now. And essentially at some point you're going to see humanity split the same way the Palladians did back when they had their first big jump around fourth density. And what I mean by that is you're going to have one group that essentially says, I am focusing strictly on my divine creator. I'm focusing on a love-based path. I'm focusing on a higher ascended path, a collective path for all of us. That's one group. You're going to have another group that essentially says, I'm staying in third density and F you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and we're already we're already seeing this play out in we the news. We're already seeing it play out in politics. We're already seeing it play out with the way people do with our environment. We're already seeing it with our with the way we do militaristic training and how we do military you know military issues here on Earth now. We're already seeing this play out on many 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 fronts. The question that comes into play is how do each of us, meaning all of us here in this conversation, what do we decide to do collectively? Do we decide to follow this collective path where we know we need to make all of ourselves better healed, right? It's op the operative term that we uh, uh, practitioners use is get trying to achieve a healed state, right? How do we get to that place? Or do we continue being an unhealed third density place and continue in this second, this, you know, two year old mindset that we keep living in? We have to make a choice here. Do we decide to grow or not grow? Mm -hmm. And growth isn't easy. Yeah. And we have the ability, yeah, we, we all have the tools to do it. So it, it is an actual choice is how you want to use those tools. Yep. You could use your phone to entertain yourself or you could use it to educate yourself. It depends on what you, you know, how you see that. Um, we got, so, so from Nicholas Houston, how much SSP recruitment is done through the school system, kindergarten screening, let's say. Is it all done through the schooling system? A ton. A ton? A ton. And is kindergarten screening, is, is that where they initially would test somebody? That's where I got tested. Okay. I've even talked to my XO and other people that I know who are in, and they all said the exact same thing. They were screened in schools, in the public school system. You know, basically you have this person who acts like a doctor, a psychologist, right, quote unquote. They come in, they're trying to help a child deal with a certain developmental issue. And what's really happening is they're screening that person for, again, that metagene, psychological disposition, and do they have the ability to become a good asset? Can they be handled, in other words? And 
many, many kids, if they, if they pass those, those things, they mark them in the records. And all of a sudden, like Rebecca was saying on a soul level, maybe that soul has decided, you know what, maybe I need to go in and deal with the belly of the beast for a little bit. And all of a sudden they, there's an agreement made there and they go do it. So uh, were you going to say, go ahead. I was just going to offer, yeah, definitely the school thing, but also like I was being flagged by the greys. They were, the greys were coming to me to do uh, harvest sampling kind of stuff when I was about three. So there, there's, there's, they have a lot of different means of doing this, but yeah, like school for sure. Yeah, definitely. My brother has said to me, do you remember when we were tested for ESP? And I went, no, I don't. Don't he doesn't know anything about all this stuff. So anyway, I was, I was tested with Zener cards in school. Hmm. I remember, in, and this is in kindergarten, it's fifth grade. We had the Air Force come in, and they wanted us to each design our own uh, craft, each that could fly in space. They didn't really? call they didn't call it UFO, but they had everybody in the class design or draw a spaceship. And I guess they wanted to get ideas from the kids' brains or maybe to test them to see if they've been in their programs. I remember I literally drew a TR-3B. Like I didn't even, really? I didn't even know what it was at the time. They were already trying to tap into what your soul had already been through. Oh, interesting. They, they were trying to get you in your, in your, in your, in your, in your little tiny brain, your kid brain. They're saying, what do you remember that's already embedded in your soul? What can you show us? And those people were the people they probably indoctrinated. The people that were dead on. Interesting. I remember I, sp I specifically just, it was like a triangle. And I like one of the other kids was like, that's it? They, I was like, it's a triangle. Uh, wow. they, they test the kids because, uh, again, when you think about cloning, like we, we touched on the same thing. Like when you, uh, consciousness, you got to have, have an, enough, con some people are more aware. Some people are a brighter, closer to a fourth density consciousness than some people are closer to a second density consciousness. And so they're testing for people that are aware enough to be split into clones or different. So for one, and for two, the fam once, once they uh, get you, they don't need your school tests anymore. They're, they're just keeping an instant eye on your kids because uh, once, once the, the, you know, not all your kids might be applicable, but one or two of them might be. So um, if you have any family members in the programs, they will, they will check you out anyway. Yeah, I just want to really quick say thank you guys. Thank you, everybody who's donating yes, right now. Thank you guys for your donations. Uh, thank you for the mods. Amazing. Thank you for your awesome questions. I know we can't get to everybody. We're trying. Um, there's really good questions being asked. So thank you all for being here. Uh, one question I do want to um, get to is Elise said, sorry, Elise says you invented the TR3B. I, oh, <laughs> I invented it. Yeah, that was Tyler like, invented it. Yeah. <laughs> you drew it. I drew it in fifth in grade. Yeah. They stole fifth my grade. idea. <laughs> uh, what did the split from the 3d to the 4d pleiadians look like that you were referring to Johan? so when they when they were actually developing one of the things they had to do is essentially leave behind the the warlike part of who they are and unite the arcturans who's my soul group went through the exact same process they they essentially had a moment where we'd had this planetary war and essentially, with all the dead lying around, we had to make a choice. We continue using our psychic abilities to kill each other or to use our psychic abilities to heal all the, all the wounded and dead that are there. And, the, and the, the Palladians went through the exact same cycle, which is why you'll notice today, when you, if you ever 
hear people talk about Palladians, they, they seem to be these very high density, uh, light energy workers. They tend to work on the light scaffolding within your soul, meaning they try to heal you that way. And that's why they've learned that process because they've went through it the hard way, the same way the Arcturans have. And in their case, they decided that they're, they're basically neutral. They said, they said, we are like Switzerland when it comes to dealing with all the races. We, we're, we're, we're neutral. We just want to be left the hell alone. And they don't side with anybody. Now, they do sit on the council because of their neutrality, but they don't take up anyone's particular side in a particular battle. Mm-hmm. Now, what I was also told while I was in was that was kind of shifting a little bit because of what they saw humanity was going through. And some of those Palladian souls had reincarnated on Earth and were making contact back to their brethren saying, this is what humanity is actually going through. You're going to allow this to continue. And all of a sudden, that started to shift quite a bit, which is why we're seeing so many people now who say that you know, we have contacts with the Palladians and we, we, we have that energy around us because guess what? They're probably reincarnated here from, from the Pleiades. Um, look at George Washington in his memoirs. He talked about the Green Lady, right? Well, guess where she said she came from? The Seven Sisters, which is the Palladian system. She directly guided George Washington to create the United States of America. She gave him the plan, the whole entire plan, how the, how the battle was going to go, how the whole war was going to go, and how to set up Washington, D.C. So to say that we are not guided by the Palladians and what they went through, meaning their trauma and turmoil, is, is a massive monumental understatement, in my opinion. They, they've been helping us. And we've been giving them input on what is going on down here through us. Wow. That's interesting about George Washington. I had, I, I mean, we always assume that people are being guided all the time, but I haven't heard any direct, a, a direct story to Washington like that. Well, and the reason why I'm saying that is if you think about Washington's background, right? He was one of the most preeminent Freemasons in the United States of America. Yep. I'm also, I was also a Freemason. And one of the first things they teach you is looking at the floor mats, meaning the mat they roll out that has all this imagery on it, right? There's one image that only shows up after George Washington became the Grand Master of Virginia. That image is the Pleiades. It shows up after he became Grand Master because he had actually requested they put that into the imagery of all the floor mats being used in all of the lodges. And essentially, that particular version of ritual got used elsewhere in the U.S., it went from Virginia elsewhere. So you see all of these states now using that same imagery, and they have no idea where it came from. That's because of that Palladian influence, meaning what the Pleiades went through in their, in their split. Um, that split influenced how they directly interacted with us, saying, we don't want you to have to go through the same pain we went through. And this is how we're recommending you do this. Mm-hmm. And we're still seeing, we're still coming at a point of a split. It's just occurring, I guess, it's not as deadly as it may have been on other planets. It's but, yeah. bad. It's still very bad. I mean, we're destroying our environment mm-hmm. because we can't come to some terms with how we wish to leave this planet as stewards. That's the problem that I see. Again, I'm not a huge environmental activist, but my idea is that when my divine creator basically says, you're a steward to this planet and the creatures on it to live in harmony with it, then why are we doing what the hell we're doing? Yeah. You know, what the fuck, people? Come on, wake up. Are we destroying the planet that we live on? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So here's a good question. Are people hypnotized up there in the colonized planets in the same way as we are here on Earth? Is there any free people up there? So like, are other planets under mind control and in under amnesia as well? 
Yes. And there are free planets. Really? And have you experienced both of them, Tony? Or Yes. Uh, we did missions and we landed on planets where they were the equivalent of us in the 80s or so of tech. And they had we, we had to park the ship far out to sea and take a hovercraft in to meet with them because, and the, uh, the ship, the, the cargo ship was a stealth design so to avoid radar. And for that reason, to, in the uh, lower tech planets, and we had to go in and, and kind of sneak in under the cover of night because that society was unaware, just like ours, unaware of life in the cosmos. Also, I met on series, I met a person, a human, who was from a free planet that was more advanced like ours, like us in a thousand years from now. And he, he said he felt sorry for us. I'm sorry, man. You know, I'm from a free world. And we sat and talked a little bit, but he didn't tell me too much of how it was because I think he was um, being kind in a way. He didn't want to, to rub it in your rub face. It yes, yes. Like he didn't want to, because I was trying to pump him for what, so what is it like? What do you mean you're free? You know, and he had, um, you know, interstellar travel available to him. He could come and go. Interesting. Were you going to say something, Rebecca? Or Oh, yeah. I, I, what was I going to say about that? Just, it's interesting how, you know, wow. So much I've seen in my travels astrally, you know, um, there's a lot of free out there, but as Tony said, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. Mm. Um, okay, what else do we have? So uh, a few, we'll do a few more questions. Um, I think you've answered this question before. Uh, how do you know if you have black goo in you and how can you get rid of it? And um, Johan, you answered that pretty well when we had you on originally, but if you want to touch on that again. Okay, so I would say the number of people on this planet who actually probably have black goo is probably very small. Um, there, so there are ways to deal with it, though. Uh, the first thing I would do, and, and most people who have it in their systems probably don't even realize it's even there. Because what it does is it actually overwrites part of the consciousness. And mentally, you start acting as a hive mind. In other words, you can detect other people on the planet who have the same black goo in their brain that you do. You can hear their thoughts. They can hear your thoughts. Yes, it does jump your IQ up a lot. But the problem is, is that it also overwrites the, the entire limbic system, meaning your memory and your emotional processing centers essentially get completely trash. Um, now, mm -hmm. in the programs, we essentially had three ways of dealing with this particular issue. Uh, the first method was what we call EMF quarantining, meaning we put someone inside essentially a Faraday cage to see if the black goo would try to leave the body to go to some other body, right? You force it out of, out of the body, make, force it to relinquish control of that body. That did work sometimes. Second method was uh, we used, we call that chartreuse green, uh, the gas. The problem with the gas is it actually kills the host because usually... In that case, the, the, the goo does not want to relinquish control. As it actually is forced out of the body, it actually tears apart the human brain. And then we also have an inoculation against it that actually can force it out as well. And if you ever had to watch someone take that inoculation, it's highly painful. And it takes days. For, it's kind of like having like a, like a drug addiction, and you're essentially forcing yourself cold turkey off the drug 
So someone has to go through that entire detox process in, in like a matter of like five days. Wow. So um, somebody wants to know, did anybody have children over there like Randy Kramer did? So do, do some of you guys in the programs have children up there? No? I have a mate silence. up there. Um, I have a mate and I have a, have um, from a different angle of the programs, and this is not very light, but I know that um, gray uh, hybrids were made with my um, genetics and so forth um, that were fails, but uh, no, I don't think that's what they were meaning in the question. Hmm. Um, there, there was a question earlier that kind of relates with relates to that what you just said um why do they pair why do they pair us up with a divine counterpart what is the purpose of that and what is the impact of meeting this person in this space or time so can i, I guess today can i get that one real quick yeah okay so here's what i learned from the, the divine counterpart perspective right a lot of times especially when you have people who are in high, high stress scenarios, they make people up with divine counterparts because that person can anticipate your thoughts, feelings, actions. They're already knowing here and here what that person's going to do and they automatically anticipate it. So the way it looked for me was when I was a young kid, probably around five to six in that range, they were already testing me against other children to find out who my divine counterpart was, both boys and girls. And what that means is, is they're looking for someone who's essentially not only a soul level match, but an energetic match, meaning that when that person gets around you, you syncopate. There's an entrainment there between the two of you. And the way those people operate typically is usually they're using the same programs around the same time because they know these people function better as pairs, Right. So for example, I'll give an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, the woman who I talked about earlier, my XL, she's a divine counterpart of mine. Um, when we actually uh, first met in here and now, I knew the minute I saw her, I knew. It was like this moment of, like my soul recognized that in her soul. It's the only way I can describe it emotionally. Mm. She showed me the picture of her at four years old I knew she was the girl who's standing with me in the cage when I throw my simulations and all my training. I knew really? it was her. So, so this is what I'm talking about. There's that moment of recognition and countenance when you know that that's this person. The reason why they do it is when you start moving into the super soldier program into this, you have somebody who, when you're in the field, you don't have to have radio communications to know what that person's dealing with because in your chest, you can feel their emotions in their brain, you're anticipating their actions. You already know when, they, when the enemy makes a certain screw up, you already know how this is going to go down because you already know what that person's going to do. That's yeah. exactly why they do this. Yeah, that's, that's pretty in depth. And that explains the people in the programs. But what about people who aren't in the programs? Is that just... There are people here on earth, I believe, that are divine counterparts that have not been using the programs. Um, I would also say this too, is that I believe the divine counterpart aspect of this was manipulated by the programs because they recognize the fact that if they could manipulate that a little bit, all of a sudden they're getting what they call a twofer, right? They're getting two people instead of one person who can do a job really, really well. 
and it gives them, it gives them validation and guarantee the job is done. Um, the other aspect of this is you also have some of these psyops, in my opinion, I call them psyops. Uh, for example, like the whole twin flame discussion or the soulmate discussion. I think that to me is a false narrative. They're trying to equate to this idea of divine counterparting. Okay. That's just my own personal opinion. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But based on what I keep hearing people talk about, when people talk about this whole divine, the twin flame idea, it's like, man, that sounds exactly the way as a divine counterpart, how I triggered and worked with my divine counterpart. Because there's just a knowing. There's a, there's a, a, a countenance and knowing in your brain, and in your heart. You know exactly what that person's thinking and feeling regardless of the distance. Mm-hmm. I will say this too, is that a lot of times divine counterparts get pulled together. So for example, uh, Ted from Quantum Reptile Cafe, he's actually met the woman who is his divine counterpart here. Uh, I met mine here. Uh, Will Glover, who's done a lot of interviews with uh, James Rank and uh, uh, others, he's met his divine counterpart here. So this is definitely used in the programs to a very high extent, especially in command positions, because they want someone who can kind of make sure, A, to rein that person in and keep them balanced, right? If you, if you, let's say you're in a command position like I was in for, with, a, with a ship. They want your XO there to kind of balance you to keep you in check. You're in charge of a lot of firepower <laughs> with, with, a, with a ship like that. They don't want you going off, you know, half cock somewhere. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been made aware of that exact thing. That's very interesting. Um, also, there's a lot of engineering down here. So genetically, um, there are a lot of, you know, program is kind of not the right word for it, but there are a lot of entire organizations that all they worry about is the genetics down here. And so there's actually a lot of interference in relationships among the populace from ETs. And it, because they are farming certain genetic traits, it might not be a genetic uh, trait that lets you go into one of these programs for the, for the a tour. It may be a completely different trait altogether, and it may, it may involve several generations. And there are a lot of people that come to me that, that know that they've been manipulated with where they fall in love with somebody immediately. There, there's an abduction. There's a weird life decisions. They fall out of love. And then it repeat, and then a year later it repeats, and there are abductions involved. So they know that there's a manipulation going on externally. There's a lot of people that, that want help for that. So um, it's probably on a much bigger scale than anybody's willing to admit. Wow, that's so fucked up. <laughs> uh, that really screws with people's lives because that's your heart now. That's your heart that you're messing with. I say it like this: so the Germans, that, so on Ceres Colony, I hate calling them Germans. It's a Ceres Colony Corp. They had both. You could you could fall in love with somebody and marry them. You were free to do that, but you could also enroll into a matchmaking, and they matched people. They paired people eugenically by their by their genetics. You got three or four choices that you were your optimum mate, and if you agreed to it, though they, they got married, kind of prearranged marriage, but it was based solely on genetics. But the other thing that I point out is you you know that all the different dog breeds we have started out as wolves and they're all man-made by just so the same exact thing is going on with us by them and we're getting that kind of diversity out of just a standard genetic makeup that was a hundred thousand years ago so you know when you look at a little tiny shih tzu it was a giant wolf in its lineage at some point so and it was bred they were bred and and that's what's going on we are 
That's another reason to keep disclosure secret is because we are in a giant planet-wide breeding research program. Did you, Rebecca, I know you've talked about your divine counterpart in the programs and thank you for that, Tony. That was a I'm cracking up. I, look, I'm reading the chat and Aunt Anne Marie, she said, maybe that explains my ex. <laughs> I was smiling. Yeah. That's hilarious. Well, I'm sure a lot of people, actually a lot of our brains are going there. We're all thinking about that stuff. Um, but I know, uh, Rebecca, you've mentioned meeting your divine counterpart or whatever in, or your mate or whoever you call. In a, in yeah, a, how do we call that? Yeah. Now, yeah. Is that like somebody that you think you've met here? In, Not at all. In the physical? No. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Um, how can you get your soul back? How, how can you get your soul fragments from all around the, how can you get back your soul fragments from all around the place using options available here on earth? I'm not sure I understand that. I, I guess we have, we leave soul fragments different places. Can I comment on that really quick? Okay. So there are three primary methods that I direct people to. One is going through QHHT and basically uncapping those areas, right? Secondly, it would be post-hypnotic regression if you have a practitioner who is more spiritually minded, more metaphysically minded. Thirdly, is a good shamanic practitioner. Or you find someone like Rebecca or myself who we also do work with folks. If you're a hypnotist or if you do work energetically speaking, you can talk to that person's guides or their, their soul family. You can also channel that information as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of options on the table that you can use. Um, it just depends on what that person's open to. And more importantly, one thing I will say is if you're going to go down that path of reintegrating all that information, do not front load the practitioner very much. Allow them to help you discover some of that material so that it's in its natural raw state as you're going through it. That gives you time to kind of process it too and do the healing work. Yeah, it's a great point. And speaking of the healing, I, I don't know if many people are aware that uh, you do that work, Johan, but Rebecca, I know that you do. And since we've had you on the show, some people have reached out to you and, and I've heard nothing but amazing things about how you've helped some of the people in this community. So thank you for that. And yeah, thinking- I wanted to say thank you for all the, I mean, I have been like super like uber busy and it's, but it's been amazing with people contacting me and just sharing their stories too. And people who want to, you know, people, cry, you know, contacted me and said, I cried. I remembered so much when I saw your interview and I'm sure both you guys, you know, Johan and Tony have received that too but yeah i've been off the hook busy but in the most beautiful ways you know i love my work so thanks for everybody who's who has been so kind to me and um, generous in their regard since my interviews so that's so amazing yeah great i'm going to ask one last fun question here and then we'll start wrapping this up Uh, we've already been going for about an hour and a half now uh somebody wanted to know earlier what's going on in antarctica and is the earth hollow (laughs) <laughs> honeycomb is the right word honeycomb yes yeah we touched on that earlier with civilizations that are down inside the fourth density uh, civilizations that are down there um what's going on in antarctica is that it was settled by the germans breakaway and we referred to it as their high command um when we came there and we we always had to have the ship inspection ready when we went there 
So it's what's going down there now, I don't know, but um, there is quite a bit there under the ice. Well, if we go off of what we see from the UN stuff with the reporting weather-wise, right, Antarctica is warming up. So what we can make a definite inference of is that at some point, we know in the 1500s, we had a map made by Italians of an uniced Antarctica. And we're going to see Antarctica probably uniced again in the very near future, within the next 20 years, maybe. I'm, I'm betting it, you'll start seeing areas uniced. What does that mean for us as humanity? That means all of a sudden we can no longer sit here and bullshit ourselves that their ET species do not exist. We can stop bullshitting ourselves that we're the only intelligent, sentient species in the universe. <laughs> and we can stop bullshitting ourselves that our government hasn't known about this crap. Mm -hmm. Because when they see this show up in Antarctica, this giant pyramid that shows up, and we go, oh, there's pyramids there. Well, guess what? If we go based on what the scientists have told us, the last time that pyramid could have been built there was prior to the last ice age, which was 11,500 BC, which is way before the Egyptians. So what's up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the Stargate, I mean, the, the, the portal energy there is so, so, so very strong. And that I think that there's been, you know, some battles between light and dark uh, for that energy, you know, in the same way there's, there's going on in other, other ways for Stargates between the more aggressive races and, and uh, the lighter forces for control of it. Yeah. So well, when we use, we use those gates, we have one at LAX. There's one in Antarctica, and it, both those gates actually home to Mars. Yeah. So yeah. you have you actually have scientists that will go into LAX thinking, oh, I'm just going to work today, and they'll go step into this device, and 10 minutes later, they're standing over in Mars working at a genetic facility or a cybernetics facility or a weapon facility as if nothing's freaking wrong, as if it's just a completely normal way of doing business. Poofty, here I am. And they'll come back at the end of the day, their eight hour shift is done. They'll go home to their home in LA thinking, okay, everything's done for the day. And most of these people don't even realize it. I mean, I, I, Ted and I have joked about this on the moon. We also have a gate as well. And um, I literally have watched people step out of this gate and walk down to where the Kruger office is. And they think they're standing in a large mall on earth mm, really? because, of, because, because of the magnetic deck plating and the artificial gravity systems in place. They think they're on Earth. The, 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 the lighting, everything is designed to emulate the circadian rhythms, designed to, to emulate the magnetic pull, designed to emulate all of the stuff you'd think if you were standing on Earth, it would make you feel like you're at home. We've had politicians walk up, VIPs walk up, and they have no freaking clue that they're actually standing on a base inside the moon, not yeah. zero. Well, in Antarctica, I mean, the earth energy, I mean, some of these gates are predicated on a very strong, uh, you know, um, earth resonance, and that's incredibly strong in Antarctica. Right. And why it can also be a gateway to the inner, you know, what we call the inner earth, um, is very much synced with the planet and the innards and the whole energetic system, the blueprint of, of Gaia. It's, there's a lot cooking in, in Antarctica, so... I appreciate your corroboration about the uh, the Mars Antarctica Gateway because I've I've seen that and I thought is that right, but yeah, it, thank you. Yeah, and I've actually seen that gate in use. I've used the one at the LOC many times. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a gate set up on New Corellia or New Earth, 
which is our, our second biggest um, colony. And a lot of people use that because they go between that colony and, and the Yellow Sea because of stuff like we have a dock station there at Corellia. We actually dock our ship there, send our people down for Liberty, and I would go to the moon for administrative meetings. And that, that was a very common thing to do. It's like not even second thought, you know? Wow. Yeah, from the moon, I didn't realize for a long time that I was also, it was the same thing going into Dulce into the labs there when I was little. I didn't realize, you know, because I would talk about the moon being this kind of hell realm, like a horrible, horrible place, not realizing I was leaving to go into Dulce from there through a gate. Um, because it is, like you said, it's so seamless. Like, oh, no wonder. So, yeah, thanks. It's a great discussion. Yeah, on the, the portal technology, the gates, the vortices, uh, all of it. it is there a portal at Diego Garcia or, or is that just a physical transport to and from the moon? I experienced physical transport there. Tony? Yeah, we, I, I, yeah I'm not aware of any gate there. Uh, we were taking goods there. Pick, we were just picking up cargo and leaving it. That was my whole interaction with Diego Garcia. Um, interesting side note, we were just watching Elysium. I'm sure you guys have seen or heard of that movie, seen it. Uh, what's interesting, we noticed, well, the disclosure for one, but the main super soldier in that movie is named Kruger. And, yeah. and I was like, there's no, there's no coincidence there's no here. So go look up, if you want to get some really wacky coincidences, go look up a game called Mirror's Edge and Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Yeah, he talks uh, about that, yeah. There's a ton of disclosure in those two games. The names they actually use in the game are actually people who were in the Kruger program. Gabriel Kruger primarily, his daughter Alexandria, uh, Faith Connors, who is his granddaughter, all, all in that game. So yeah, it's like someone was trying to, to get people's attention saying, hey, wake up, we know you're down there. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, there's so many more questions coming in, but um, it's up to you guys if you want to hang out for a few more or you want to start wrapping this up. It's it's all on you. If It's entirely up to you guys. Um, um, there's a question. Was somebody asked where... If I can find it. Where, basically, they asked, where is God's source in all this? Why would... Um, here it is. How can this... How can all this bad stuff happen if we are created in love? Tony, you're smiling. <laughs> well, people act, okay, so without stepping on anybody's religious beliefs, right? I believe in God. I believe in creator God. I believe that we are all fragments of it. But you got to look at the scale of things. People think that we are, you know, high up on the evolutionary scale or in the scale of things. And we're not. We're really, you know, to, there are other beings that are much higher than us you know, evolved than we are. And you look at how we, we treat animals. I mean, you did, did, did you have a hamburger this week? Because that was made out of a cow that was kept prisoner and then murdered and, you know, treated just the same way, treated the exact same way. We treat, we treat lesser dense animals or beings, consciousness, the same way that we are getting treated people by other higher evolved animals. Yeah. So, we hunt what right it's a circle of life there's a you know and i don't believe that being a vegetarian is any more you know what i mean the plant believe me grass doesn't enjoy being cut and so you know there's you you're you're taking in life force to stay alive 
And it's the same energetically. It's the same all thing. It's a big circle. And so we, where is God in all this? this? Is This is exactly his plan. And this is what's working. So it will, we will grow to, we will get to more profound stations in the cycle and get away from these things that are bad that we're experiencing the same way that animals that are being used are going to, you know, grow to a higher level of the cycle and get away from being used as an animal. So we're going to get there, but God, this is the plan. This is what works. This is what, this is what gives us each individual growth. The catalyst for growth. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You nailed it. I, I love that answer. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good to have people that have uh, participated in these programs answer that question because, you know, we're here with amnesia. We don't have those memories. So it does get confusing. People are lost. That's kind of the whole point of this awakening. So yeah, thank you for that. Well, and God's source never stops being inside of us. I mean, I always pull out with the macro lens and look at the, like I said, the polarity theater. We're, we're just part of this play. You know, we're arising from the natural space of all that is the fire of creation, experiencing this. And it all dissolves back into that. It's a theater. I mean, I know in 3D, we can forget that. But at least for me, developing my consciousness where I can see that has been useful. And that's just my perspective. Um, yeah thank yeah. you think about it in terms think about it in terms of an eternal being what, how long are you going to be alive if you suffered every day of your entire life it's still only 80 or 90 years versus eternity what's yeah. it's not that big of a deal really you look at all these bad things that go on and in the in the grand scheme of what you're in all of your existence and and god it's a minor thing it's a blink of an eye it's a it's an episode like she said yeah. it's a play Mm. exactly wow yeah. yeah that's a that's a and that's really great point to bring up right it's almost like yeah it's a, you have to expand your awareness and perspective to really grasp all this because it's easy to get caught up like you said rebecca in the 3d and forget all who we are why we're here the greater perspective of things um that we are connected to the source at all times. Well, it's unfortunate for us as a species that we, we seem to not understand the implications or the impact of our actions, speech, and emotions and thoughts until yeah. after we pass and we have our life review. That's the unfortunate part of our experience is that we don't have that while we're here. Now, when I had my life review, I literally saw how it impacted every single person I ever touched but positively and negatively. So it's, to me, it's, to me, it's a travesty that that isn't something that we're as a species, we're not reminded of daily. If we, if we were constantly in that mode of, you know, seeing how we behave during that particular day, maybe we wouldn't be doing this entire cycle that we do right now. So you, you actually experienced the life review. Yes. That we've heard so many people talk about. Um, yep. Yeah. And that Vendees talk about it a lot. Yeah. So then you, you see, basically you're shown your life and you see everybody that you've righted and wronged. And, and then that, so I, I understand how that works in the reincarnation cycle. Cause then you see what you have to reincarnate and then work on. But if the reincarnation cycle is over, I guess you just carry that karma and onto another life or. Well, what happens is you're, you're, you're basically have to repeat that lesson. It's a lesson that we on a soul level either agree to learn and process or we're basically forced to relearn it again. And the other thing that I'll mention too is that when I went into what I would call this heaven place, I did see ETs there. 
And there are ETs who, in fact, recognize the divine creator. Every time I've ever talked to my guides about the person that I would call Jesus or the divine creator, they always put their hand over their heart and tilt their head down because they recognize that emanation of the divine creator and, and this idea of that love energy, right? That fourth, fifth density love-based energy, collectively speaking. They recognize that. And they recognize the fact that as we try to achieve that, we're going to start shedding some of these old ideas that no longer serve us, which is hopefully good for us as a species, right? And what that means is, is that we stop, again, stop behaving like a two-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and what, this... if we, what if we need all of, the, what if the lesson is that we need all this darkness to help us learn love? Like if yes. we yes. need that um, challenge to forgive ourselves and learn about the, the um, maybe, for me, I, I wonder, you know, because I'm so challenged to to work with my, um, you know, I've got all this darkness just in my birth family, you know, and I'm constantly looking at how can my heart respond to this in a skillful way. And that's my teacher about like, how do I learn? How do I learn love with all of this there? And maybe I wouldn't have gotten to this lesson without that. Well, and look at like what Tony was talking about with the whole law of one thing, right? Raw basically says the three things that we as a species have got to get buttoned down and get buttoned down tight is the idea of un unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness, unconditional acceptance. And that means internally and externally. Mm -hmm. And that means we start behaving more like our divine creator and his emanation, his son, the, 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 the um, person who we're supposed to be acting like down here, right? That, that's the way I see it, is that we've been given all of these uh, examples of how we as a species should be acting. And I wish people would quit acting like it's a social club and start behaving that way, right? This should be the new program. This should be the new, what people like, get their brain wrapped around, right? Yeah. It's hard for us practitioners sometimes. We tell people this stuff when we do our talks and our, our speeches and our classes. And it's really hard to explain that to people. About what does unconditional love look like? Well, unconditional love means that you first start loving you unconditionally. Every, every part of you, every dark part of you, every hurt part of you, every damaged part of you, every part of you, you do not want to look in the closet and look at. You have to love and put your arms around it, accept it, integrate it, deal with it. The forgiveness part. Well, how do you forgive all those parts of who you are? And the acceptance part is even tougher because to even accept something, you first have to love it, right? The acceptance part of that is how do you how do you take something and say, you know what, I accept me for who I am, but that also means I can accept you for who you are. Mm -hmm. And when you start dealing with people within the programs, we start talking about triggers. The word trigger shows up a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, triggers, what what are triggers, right? Well, triggers are essentially unhealed, unloved parts psychology-wise of who we are. We felt that we were wronged, hurt, damaged somehow. And when that same trigger shows back up, we immediately go right back into that program state mm -hmm. instead of allowing ourselves to step into a love state. And in, in, in loving that part of who we are and dealing with that part of who we heal ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. That was beautiful. Thank beautiful. you for sharing Absolutely. that. Yeah, really well said. This, this, is a, this is a great way to wrap this up. And I know all of you guys, like even Tony, you're doing your own show now. Like that's even healing because you're, you're able to talk about this stuff. You're able to discuss it and even coming and doing these interviews. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, 
as traumatic as all this was for you guys, look at you now and look how you're helping everyone else. So that this is, there's no doubt in my mind, it's all divinely orchestrated. And you might, all three of you may very well have chosen exactly this path as traumatic as it may seem. Look at the healing, look at the way you're able to help everybody now. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. Very well said. Thank you. Uh, Tony, did you want to add anything to that before we wrap this up? We, we were talking about what she had mentioned. I, I don't have the words exactly, but you know, that you get growth. And I was just thinking, you know, you lay in bed until you're hungry. When you're comfortable, you don't go anywhere. You don't improve your situation at all. You'll lay in bed as long as you can till you get hungry or till you get got to go to the bathroom or something wrong happens until there's a wrong, something is uncomfortable. Then you're going to change your situation and make it better. And, you know, think about it on a term think about that stretched over lifetimes and that's kind of what goes on you know i i got asked one time um somebody asked me would you ever do it again all the suffering everything that you suffered you went through which really was a lot you know terrible to you know i talk about it and i don't want, want to make light of it and i don't want anything but someone asked me would you do it all again and i said yes yes i would because that's who I am right now. And they said, well, how could you, why? Because of the suffering. And I think, and I said the same thing, like really it's a short time because I'm an eternal thing because I'm something that's going to live for thousands of millions of years. What's 80 years of it. What's 20 years of suffering. You know, it's just a lesson. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and if anything, it's going to kind of leapfrog your evol evolution and not leapfrog it, kickstart, enhance it, kickstart it, whatever. Yeah. Well, and it gives you the right to say, hey, I did this already. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm not doing it again. No. You yeah. Know. So um, do you want to know better next time? You want to get exactly. you guys want to quickly um, plug your yourselves where people can find you and then we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, yeah, I've got TonyRodriguez.com. I'll put that in here in the chat. And that's on my website. It's got a bio, a few links in there. It's got some resources and it has a link to my Patreon show. It's got a link to a lot of my free uh, interviews that I've done. It's got how to contact me. And um, it's just uh, easy. Jackie Pierce helped me put it together because she's awesome and really is a dynamo and way more talented than me, all of that stuff. So she's really helped me. It also has a link to my memory course that we offer for people that may be going through this too. And the memory course isn't something that's guaranteed to get all your memory back. It's a starting point for people that don't know how to handle it. When you start getting your memories back, I, like Johan said, it's a, it's a traumatizing experience. I was very lonely and very scared when I first got my memories back, when they, when they came through and uh, I had nowhere to go. So that memory course is something for somebody to start with and somewhere to go. That's, that was the whole point of that. So that's on there at TonyRodriguez.com. Check it out. Let your friends know. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Johan, how about yourself? Um, if you guys look on Facebook under uh, J O H A N uh, F R I T Z S S P Insider, there's actually a page set up for that now. I'm also on ACIO-Agency.org under the Associates tab with uh, Peter and uh, Jessica. Um, uh, we will be doing an SSP, I don't know if it's a 201 or a 102 video yet, but I recommend for all these basic questions that people are trying to ask, go watch the SSP 101 video on Super Soldier Talk with James Rank on YouTube. 
Uh, we will be doing a episode 10 on Quantum Red Pill Cafe soon. Ted and I will be at some point, probably in March, I'm guessing. In that video, we're going to have a list of practitioners who are helping SSP vets. We're going to go through that whole list of people. Uh, if anyone watching wants to have their oh, name wow. added to that list, please email me at, at J-O-H-A-N-F-R-I-T-Z-S-S-P at protonmail.com. Um, we are adding people all the time to this list. Now, mind you, I'm not vetting all these people, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to get a cumulatory group of people that are willing to work with, with SSP veterans, people that understand the need that's going on there. Um, and that'll be probably, again, like I said, probably March, mid to late March, and we're probably going to do that video. Um, so, yeah, th those cool. are the two big things we have going on now. Can yeah. somebody put my um, uh, uh, website De uh, Rebecca Rose Barfoot in the chat. I'm not on that. Yeah, so. I got it. I mean, I was just and talking to the audience. I know I've got people there, so <laughs> somebody else can do it. <laughs> um, yeah, so Rebecca, uh, remind people where they can find you. Uh, yeah, so. RebeccaRoseBarfoot.com. And uh, boy, I do mostly work one-on-one -on -one with people right now, not so much in groups, but I will be leading some um, healing and meditation sessions for the liberation of children from uh, past and present. Um, as we remember that um, the torture of children has been really the basis for a lot of these programs. And I also have a host of women's group, women's experiencer group. So if you uh, are looking for some support, like, like Tony, you know, all of us know it's lonely out there. So I meet once a week with that group. Um, and yeah, you can find all my session bookings right there on the website. Yeah. Well, well, thank you guys all for coming on thank and doing this for the, so much. for the entire month. All the, I mean, we got into some really amazing stuff and there's so much more. These conversations can go on forever. Uh, there's so much to learn out there. It's, it's impossible to know it all, but we appreciate everything you're doing. Guys, I want to remind you one last time, uh, Aaron and I and Tony will be in Cocoa Beach, Florida, March 12th through 14th for the Starseed Adventures Conference. Tickets are still available. Uh, that link is below in the description. I think there's less than 20, less than 30 tickets left. I don't know what the number is. Um, but if you feel compelled at all, uh, come hang out with us on the beach. We can all use a getaway right now. You know, we're staring at these screens all the time. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's got it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, some people are saying the ticket price is a little pricey, but uh, it it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful resort and it includes um, a meal and like a, a ball or something at uh, some event on the last day. It does include also in with that ticket price. Um, but I think if you're meant to be there, you'll uh, it'll manifest for you. And um, that being said, we'll just uh, guys, make sure you follow us on uh, telegram. That's a telegram, Instagram, a telegram. Primarily uh, we have moved over there after Twitter shut us down so uh the link tree is in the description below with everywhere you can follow us but our telegram chat and group link is in there so if you don't follow us there head over there it's a lot of fun we still have the promo codes going for um hopewell farm jtt 15 for 15 percent off i don't even know after taking that cbd i don't even know how i did it without it before uh and then 10% off the Omnia radiation balancer patch that um, harmonizes the negative radiation going that coming from any radiating device, turns it into something beneficial for your body. That is 10% off with promo code TRUTH, all caps. 
And then we have 20% off our Teespring merch with uh, promo code Sleepy Joe. And all three of those will go indefinitely. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah actually, that shirt. was one of the comments. Tony, somebody wanted to know where you got your shirt. Off your site. <laughs> I was off that. Yeah, I went Teespring. to your guys'. Yeah. Site. You know, I want to get a bunch more, but, uh, oh, you know, one you. at a time. But I had to get this. This is the one. <laughs> look, I really I like a bunch of them, but this is the one with <laughs> William Tompkins. I guess you can't really see. Oh, your, your thing is. There you go. Yeah, it's, a, it's in loving memory of William Tompkins, who I was a big fan. I think he's did a lot for the whole disclosure movement. He, he was a great, great man. And this shirt really means a lot to me. So, Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I've been, I, I wanted to bring up that shirt. Yeah, guys, we made this shirt uh, for this month. This whole month mm -hmm. was basically inspired by William Tompkins. So we have a shirt. There it is. Um, it's on the That's Teespring. His, his drawings on there. Yeah, I'm so sucking in my gut too. Yeah. <laughs> those are drawings yeah. from William Tompkins. He, uh, I guess, he was a part of. He participated in some think tanks that were uh, back in the '40s. Yeah. 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 They were developing this technology '40s for Lockheed Martin and, and Boeing and these black budget programs. So that's what those drawings are. Uh, we made a shirt in honor of him. So if uh, if you guys want, grab that shirt. It's it's. Um, I don't know. It's a cool shirt. Ask Tony. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. I think that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to the mods. Thanks again for all the donations. Everybody here in the chat, thank you for the questions. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of them. Uh, maybe we'll do this again in the future one day. Who knows? Uh, who knows what's to come? Um, no, just thank you guys so much for, for coming on and for sharing yeah. your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you for your bravery and sharing your stories because I know it's not an easy thing to do and it's so important. So yeah, thank you so much. All righty. Um, all right, guys. Uh, thanks again. Have a great evening. Oh, one last thing. I'm sorry. Space Force News tonight on One Foot in 5D uh, uh, YouTube channel. Uh, um, uh, Alara and uh, Loyal to the Foil, they do a show called Space Force News. And they cover basically anything that's kind of currently uh, going around in the mainstream about uh, about Space Force and Space and Force. and just advanced technology in general, in general. So 8 p.m. CST Central Time um, on One Foot and 5D channel. Maybe, uh, Alara, you're in the chat. Maybe you could drop the link. Um, that being said, all right, guys, enjoy your evening. Make sure you watch. Uh, Thank you, guys. Head over and check that out tonight, and we will see you next time.